Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews, please, chapter 11. chapter 11 and verse 23 when you got it say so the Bible reads by faith Moses when he was born was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's command by faith Moses when he became of age refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter rather choosing choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, my God, that is truth. We thank you for the counsels of your heart, my God, that you have revealed to us, my God. Father, we thank you for giving us these inspired words. Father, we thank you so much for the man that paid prices in order to receive this revelation. Thank you that they did not count a life of sacrifice, Lord God too much Father may we be like them Lord God may we live lives desiring to be the revelation of God in the earth may we Father God submit our hearts before you and may we truly walk by faith and not by sight may we truly live by faith and not by sight Father may our hearts be overwhelmingly imprinted by the revelation of your word and your heart toward us that we would live, Father God, not for this life, but the life to come. That we would live, Father God, not settling for what we can gain in this world, but Lord God, that we would lay our lives down, take up our crosses, follow you, Lord God, denying ourselves. Father, help us to be those people who live this walk of faith, Lord. Father, speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. That we may leave your house better equipped to reflect you. Better equipped to represent you. And Lord, we, th we thank you and we honor you. In the mighty name of Jesus, someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Does anybody love Jesus in this place? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. We see here in the scriptures the name that is familiar to most of us, whether you're in church or never been in church. Most people know about Moses and the Ten Commandments. And so this is a familiar name, and, and his life gives us some really wonderful examples. And one thing that we see in this story here is we see a lot of choices being made. 
We see a lot of choices, a lot of decisions that are being made. And one of the things that we got to realize is that our lives are filled with choices, and you and I will never be able to escape this reality. We make choices every day no matter what. Listen, if you decided that you were not going to get out of your bed, notice the word I use. You decided not to get out of your bed. If you decided that you were going to go ahead and pull a blanket over your head and say, I'm not going to live, that is a decision that you made. Hallelujah. And, and you will make that same decision every day once your body gets tired of laying up in that bed and you can't close your eyes no more and you can't sleep, whether it's for five minutes, 50 minutes, three hours, whatever, you will have made that decision to not live and to just exist. But our lives are filled with decisions. We make decisions on what we're going to eat. We make decisions on where we are going to live. We make decisions on where we are going to participate in church. We make decisions if we are going to give or not give. We make decisions if we are going to love our spouse or not love our spouse. We make decisions if we are going to train our children up in the way of righteousness or we're going to leave it up to somebody else. We make decisions on what we're going to do as employees, if we're going to glorify God or if we're going to live for ourselves. We make decisions all day long. Our lives are filled with choices that we have to make. And you see, here's something that we realize is that not every one of our decisions is going to alter and affect our lives on the same level as other decisions. See, some decisions, what you decide to eat, it may take a long time to affect your life. Hello. You know, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's going to take some time. Because you know how it is, you know, and, and I just use this as an example. When you're a child, you just eat whatever. Hello, glory to God. And see, some people, they have an issue like I had. When I was young, it seemed like I could just eat a house and never gain a pound, glory to God. But then I got, I got, I got um, engaged, Hallelujah. And, and, and something happened. I don't know. It was like a button was hit inside of me and was like, all right, son, it's time to gain weight. Glory to God. And I was like, all right, praise him. And I, and I was waiting for the button to be unpushed. Hallelujah. And, and it continued to, to be pushed. And anyway, I had to decide that I had to make a choice to, to stop eating certain things. But what happens is we don't see it affecting us because here's the reality. The reality is that today, while, you know, we do those type of things, we still run, jump, play, and do everything like if we were eating great food. Amen? But then we get a little bit older, we start to see the effects. And so it is taking effect. The choices we're making, it just takes a little bit longer to show up. Hallelujah. You, 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 know, you know, you go to the doctor and all of a sudden he tells you, listen, I'm your cholesterol, glory to God. <laughs> I haven't heard any of these things yet, and I'm just like, praise the Lord. And so I'm trying to get before that horse there. But anyway, the truth of the matter is that some decisions that we make, they don't necessarily have that life-altering effect. But I want you to realize this, church. Many of the decisions that we make are, are decisions that God is utilizing to help us make the right choices when we face life-altering decisions. Hear me. You see, when we just live life casually, when we just live life as though we don't have a purpose to fulfill, as though there is nothing for us to comply with according to the will of God, and we live just frivolously, and we don't understand how those decisions can affect us, and we're not thinking about what we should be thinking about, because the truth is that every one of our decisions should be prefaced with a desire to please God in everything that we do. Amen? There should be a preconceived notion within your heart and within my heart that every decision that I make is one that glorifies God. The Apostle Paul said it best. He said, whether you eat or whether you drink, do it to the glory of God. Hello. Whatever you do, do it 
to the glory of God. And so every decision that I make should be according to that. But there's some decisions, you know, I can decide I'm going to do this over here and it's not going to affect my life. I'm not going to die or anything like that. But here's the thing, church. We have got to become mindful, mindful of the fact that God is developing us so we will make good choices. Amen? Amen. The title of the message this morning is Faithful Choices. We have got to make faith-filled choices. Our choices have to be full of faith. The decisions we make have to be decisions that are full of faith. If our decisions are not full of faith, we're going to come up short when we're facing trial and tribulation. Hello? I gave you the testimony a few weeks ago in the beginning of this year, and stuff started happening that I didn't want to see happen. And I told you that, you know what, if it would have been a different time in my life, I may have been really shook and really overtaken by it. But you know what the reality is, church, is that I know that up until every one of those things were occurring, guess what I was doing? Walking with God. Guess what I was doing? In God's word. Guess what I was doing? Seeking God's face. Was I perfect? No. Did I miss a day or an hour of prayer? Of course I did. Did I not read the scripture every single day? There were some days that I didn't read the scripture. That didn't mean that because I didn't read my Bible one day that God left me. Hello? Mm-hmm. And so what happens is if we are making choices, those little choices, that aren't those life-altering choices, and we are assuring that we're pleasing the Lord because we have the standard of his word, and we know, and we know pretty clearly that the Bible says that if you are in the flesh, you cannot please the Lord. And so how do you know whether you're in the flesh or not? Well, you got to see if you're living according to the scriptures. And if you're living according to the scriptures, then you're not walking in the flesh. Hello? As long as you are empowered by the Holy Ghost, then you're going to walk in a manner that's going to be pleasing to the Lord. And so our desire should be to please him. And when we look at the life of Moses and the situations that surrounded him, his life provides us with a fundamental understanding of what being faithful in decision making looks like. When we look at this life story here that we have in this wonderful portion of Scripture and the key, church, to making faith-filled or faithful choices is being focused on the bigger picture. Focused on the bigger picture. This life, I know that sometimes we feel this way, but this life doesn't evolve around you. Hello. This life doesn't evolve around my problem. <laughs> Glory to God. This life doesn't evolve around me, but it evolves around God, and I have got to purpose in my heart that I am going to live a life that is focused on the bigger picture. Bigger, listen to me now, bigger than your glorious, God-given, divine appointed purpose. Bigger. It's, it's bigger than your purpose because you, now listen to me, you fulfilling your purpose ties into the greater purpose of God. But it is not just about you fulfilling your purpose. You've got to have a bigger picture in your life. And that way what? You will live your life not just based on present circumstances, based on present situations, but you will live your life looking forward to what Pastor Robert talked about and what the Bible encourages us about, that there is a day that the trumpet of God is going to sound, the heavens are going to open, and we will be caught up in glory, and if and, and if we don't make it to that day and we die, then we know that we are going to see our Redeemer, and we are going to be with Him, and I am living for that day, not this day. 
That is what it means to be a person who has a bigger picture when they're making decisions. And so the first thing that I believe is important, I want you to repeat this with me, is say our vision of faith must be greater than the voices of opposition. Look at verse 23, please. It says, by faith Moses, and it should say, by faith when Moses was born, was hidden three days by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. And so we see here the king's commandment is the voice of opposition. It is the voice of opposition of the day. And just to go back a little bit in our history, we realize that the scriptures teach us that Moses, or, or in the day that Egypt was, and, and during this time, Egypt was, was, was decided, the Pharaoh had risen up that didn't know Joseph. And this Pharaoh knew that the children of Israel were doing something. They were walking under the blessing of God, not even realizing it. Hallelujah. They began to do something in the land of Egypt. They began to multiply. They began to grow. They began to, be, they, they began to become larger. And suddenly, this Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph and didn't have the same favor toward the people of Israel, he, he says, hold on a second. You know, we're going to have to make these people our slaves because there is a possibility that they can go on ahead and recognize that they're growing. Hallelujah. They can recognize that they can, you know, fight against us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to make them slaves. We're going to go ahead and give them this slavery mentality and put this in them. But not just that. Here's what's going to happen. We are going to go ahead and we are going to command, the king commands, that every male child that is born has to do what? Be killed. The girls, they can live. But the males, we're going to go ahead and we're going to kill them. This is a command. Now, I want you to understand something. When a king commands something, there is consequences for not obeying the king's command. The consequences are usually death. Why? Because, see, <laughs> they're going to make a public example of you, and they're going to make sure that we go ahead and show the people we mean business. When the king commands something, he means business. The Pharaoh said, kill them kids, we're going to kill them kids. You didn't kill your kids, well, guess what? We're going to come up in your house, and we're going to have to go ahead and remove you and make you an example. So the Bible says that this family has this child. And when this child is born, the Bible says that he is beautiful. But he's not just beautiful because all of our children are beautiful, amen? Even though, you know, sometimes they ain't so beautiful when they first come out, glory to God, but, but they get beautiful, you know. But they're beautiful in our eyes, regardless of how ugly they may be in other people's eyes, but they're beautiful, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. They're beautiful, I think they're beautiful, you know, they're all beautiful, glory to God, hallelujah. I'm serious, they're beautiful, I, I believe this. In most cases, I can't lie, in some cases I'm like, hmm. Okay, in most cases, most cases, all right? But, but, but everybody's child in here, okay, glory to God. They're, they're beautiful. Amen, 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 amen. We'll leave it there. Hallelujah, okay? Praise the Lord for a smaller church. We can, we can, you know, qualify that statement, praise the Lord. They're beautiful. And so it is not the normal beauty of children that we're talking about here. That's not what we're talking about. When they saw Moses... They saw something in him. 
that caused them, it wasn't just the beauty because they were no longer overtaken by fear because the vision of faith that they saw in this child. There was something particular and peculiar about him. The scriptures don't give us much detail, but they saw something in him that caused them to be recognized here. And, 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 and the beauty that they saw in this child was because in him they saw promise. In him, they saw potential. In him, they saw that their deliverance was in him. God showed them something, that this child was not just any child. This, you know, they, they already see, because here's the thing, is that they already had Aaron, and they already had Miriam. They already had two children, so they knew those children were beautiful. But when they had Moses, this third child, something resonated inside of them, and they understood this child is special, and that made them risk their lives. They held on to Moses for those three months and until they couldn't keep him anymore because he decided he was going to make some noise, glory to God. So they decide, okay, you know what we're going to do? We'll make this little raft here thing. We're going to put him in there and put him in the Nile. The Bible tells us that he ends up going to Pharaoh's house, but they risked their lives for this child. Now, here's, here's the thing, church. I want you to understand something. The enemy is opposed to the purposes of God being fulfilled in the earth. And there is a reason why he is opposed to those things. Because when God's purposes and plans are, are established in the earth, all of a sudden the plans of the enemy become destroyed, his authority becomes depleted, and his influences are disarmed. Now listen to me. This is important because, you know, we, 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 we often talk about this thing called spiritual warfare. How many of y'all believe in spiritual warfare? Raise your hand. Come on. Everybody should believe in this. Glory to God. At some level, there's, there, there's something called spiritual warfare, and all of us realize that there's an enemy that doesn't want the plans of God to be fulfilled. But see, a lot of times we think that the highest level of spiritual warfare is us crying out to God, rebuking and binding and loosing. Hear me. That's important. But that is not the highest level of spiritual warfare. What do you mean, Bishop? What I mean is when we decide, I was in a conference, and as I was in the conference and I was sitting there and this apostle was speaking, I began to understand something. The way that the church begins to dominate the atmosphere within a city, within a realm, it is not through prayer alone, but it is through faith in action. And so what happens is when I decide that I, me and my house, are going to serve the Lord, here's what occurs. If I decide, I say, you know what, I as an individual am going going to serve Christ. You know what happened? The purpose of God is now fulfilled in my life, so his influences disarm. His effects are not working in my life, and now I begin walking according to God's authority and according to God's love and according to God's word. Amen, somebody. But then my wife comes along, and she sees the change in me, and so now she decides that she is going to walk with Christ as well, and so now all of a sudden, the power of the enemy is not just disarmed in my life and individually or in her life individually but now within our marriage the power and plan of the enemy is destroyed and so then I get my daughter or, my, or in your case your children on board and your family is now seeking God so what is happening one by one the power and influence of the enemy is being depleted within that city and so now what happens is our family is in love with Jesus and so what are we going to do because it is just something that we want to share we want to share the love of God with the 
the lost of the other people in that city. And so what happens is now I begin to share with the lost person. That lost person gives their life to Jesus. Again, the purpose and plan of the enemy is destroyed in that life. His influence becomes lesser and lesser as we do what? As we continue to extend the kingdom, church. And so what occurs, what occurs is as time progresses and you are faithfully in prayer, binding and loosing, but not just that, but you are faithfully in the word of God, learning what the principles and the precepts of God are and obeying his commandments in your life. What you begin to do is you begin to disarm the influences of the enemy one by one, church. The highest level of spiritual warfare is when families begin to unite and then they begin to take they, they begin to take a firm stance and running after the things of God church because then you know what we do then we begin to seek the face of God and we begin to extend the kingdom of God hello so the highest level of spiritual warfare is not just our prayers alone but it is our lifestyle it is our obedience. It is when we disagree with the world. Hello. It is when we disagree with our sinful nature. It is when we are faithfully taking up our cross and denying ourselves. What begins to happen is we are releasing the kingdom manifestation of God through our lives. And that is how you go on ahead and you take over a territory because it is done through what, church? It is done in a spiritual sense. It is not by might nor by power. But as we begin to walk in these purposes, what happens? We begin to disarm the enemy. And so what do we see here in this story? Well, we get to see the first picture of this um, spirit of abortion. That's the, I, I, know, I know some folks, you know, even church folks, they, you know, they don't want to hear about that, you know, but whatever. Glory to God. This is our first picture of the spirit of abortion. Or, or let, me, let, 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 me, let me call it the right thing. The antichrist spirit. What do you mean, Bishop? Okay, well, let's think about this. Why was it that he didn't say kill all the kids? He said just kill the boys. Well, if we kill the boys and this next generation rises up of all these women without husbands, what happens? They need husbands, glory to God. And what are they going to do? They are going to do what they're not supposed to do. And now listen to this. If they intermarry with the Egyptians, you know what they've done to the whole bloodline of Christ? They have eliminated it. Hello? So what we'll do is we will go on ahead. We will erase that bloodline. See, this is the, see, Pharaoh didn't even realize what he was all up in in that moment. He didn't realize how the enemy was utilizing him because here's the other thing you got to realize. Christ was going to be a male child. Hello. He didn't know when he was coming. So what is it? Well, he knows it's a male child, and it's got to come through a pure bloodline. And so you know what I got to do? I got to go ahead, and I've got to interrupt this thing. And so we see this antichrist spirit, that, is, and, 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 and it's no different today, church. Why do you think the, the enemy wants people to abort children for one purpose? It is to hinder the purposes of God being manifested. So when that prophet is being birthed in a womb, if he can convince someone, hello, somebody, to go on ahead and abort that child, what did he do, church? He hindered something that God wanted to manifest in the earth. Hello? You can call it what you want. 
And I, and I know, and I know this, this is going to be a real sensitive one. And ladies, I want you to know something. Hear your bishop's heart before I even say this. I despise people that rape folks. I, listen, that is the most horrible thing on the planet. I mean, I can't, I can't even understand that. But listen to me, church. There are people who have testified they were children of rape victims, and they are mightily used of God today. And you have got to understand that, that you may not agree with what I am saying, but no matter what, the devil does not produce life, church. He produces pain, and he produces other stuff. But what I want you to understand is that God regardless of whatever the circumstance is sin is sin church and just because someone sinned my goodness there can be a child of promise that is put in that womb there oh it's unfair I agree does it make any kind of sense no did God make that person rape that most definitely not church but listen to me abortion is that and so we have the picture of this antichrist spirit. And what is it that the enemy wants you to do, church? The enemy wants to try to influence us in abandoning the potential and purpose that God is trying to bring forth through us. So what does he do? He tries to dominate the atmosphere. Tries to point out to you how impossible this is going to be. And I'm not just talking about only in the natural. I'm talking about in the supernatural, glory to God. He begins to talk to you about how impossible this situation is going to be. You can't do this. This is not going to work. There's no way that that's going to happen. You know, you got this king that is over here talking to you and telling you, you need to kill all of the male children. And that king is ruthless. And that king is going to come. And the Bible says that these parents saw the, the, the beauty of this child, the potential of this child. And they decided, you know what? We are not going to let the voice of influence dominate our decision we will die in order to save this promise we will die in order to bring this promise to its fulfillment we will die in order to make sure that what God has placed in our hands comes to pass so what does he do he tries to dominate he tries to come against you and hinder you why because he doesn't want the manifestation of Christ he doesn't want the manifestation of the purposes of God. And so what do we have to do, church? We have to arise with a vision of faith that is rooted in the revelation of God that will speak louder to us than the voice of opposition. We have to rise up. We have to be firmly founded and rooted in this word because you know what? I'm going to tell you that these people understood. They didn't have the law written to them yet. They didn't have that, but you know what? They had a promise way back in the day to daddy, you know, Adam and mama Eve that their, you know, their child was going to bruise the head of the serpent. And then they understood that through Abraham that God was going to bless the nation. And they, they understood. That's all they had, church. But we have 66 books of revelation of God's faithfulness. We have 66 books of God's revelation of his purpose. We have 66 books of God's revelation of his promises unto us. We have 66 books that God has caused to make it throughout all history and all of this stuff, contamination and everything that has arrived to our hearts for what? So that way we could rise up against any voice of opposition and bring forth the promises of God that, guess what, he would choose the most unlikely to carry. Not the, he's not looking for the most popular, glory to God. He's not looking for the smartest. He's not looking for the most talented. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for the most available. 
That's what he's looking for. And this family was available, church. And, and the only way that we're going to be able to rise is when we understand what God has done and we realize that God can do it again. And we really grasp the fact that he not only did it and he can not only do it again, but that he is willing and he is waiting for someone to believe he did it and that he can do it again and that way he can manifest in the earth. Will you be that person? Will you be the person who will arise and stand firm upon his promises? Or will you go on ahead and, 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 and back away when the voice of opposition starts to get real loud? The second thing that I want you to look at, if you look at the next verse, verse 24, because now we dealt with Moses' parents who had this vision and this revelation, and they didn't allow that voice of opposition to hinder them. But now we move on to the life of Moses, because the Bible says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age... And so there's a place in the time, church, where we have got to make our own decisions. Children, young people, there is a place and there is a time where you are going to be called into account for your own decisions. Glory to God. And he comes to that place and to that time. And he says this. He says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused it. He had a choice to make here. He went ahead. The Bible tells us the most phenomenal story. The Nile River was the place that these children were supposed to be thrown and died. It was in the Nile River that, 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 that Moses was actually carried right up into Pharaoh's daughter's, you know, lap right there. Comes up into Pharaoh's daughter's lap. And when, she, when, he, when he gets there, Pharaoh's daughter realizes this is one of those Hebrew children. She sees him crying. And you know what? Something was on him that she decided not to kill him. Miriam, his sister, was watching the whole thing. She runs over there and she says, listen, do you want me to get someone to nurse him for you? Just think about it for a moment. His sister says, who do you think she's going to take him to? Take him right back to mommy and daddy. And guess what? She didn't, like, she, she didn't just get the privilege of nursing her child. She got paid to do it, glory to God. You want to talk about a blessing, hallelujah. They were faithful to the promise, and God not only gave her the privilege of holding that baby and breastfeeding that child and doing all the things that a mother would love to do, but he also said, I'm going to throw you an extra little bone there, glory to God. I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to prosper you in the midst. I'm going to bless you with something else just so you remember how important your faithfulness to me was. But obviously that wasn't forever, amen, until the child was weaned. And then all of a sudden the child now goes to Pharaoh's house as a son of the Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses is there. He's being treated. Look, this guy is living in the Taj Mahal, y'all. I mean, he is living the life. He ain't living up in no shack. I mean, he's living it serious. And he's in that place, got all the best food, got people waiting on him hand and foot. And the Bible tells us that he refuses to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Because if he would have accepted a new identity, he would have denied his connection to the promise that was coming. Hello? If he would have gone on ahead and said, you know what, I'm accepting this title, I'm accepting this position, I'm going to go ahead and walk in this and live this out because this is God's favor. Hello? Is that not what we do all the time, glory to his name? But is this got to be the Lord blessing me? Mm-hmm. Glory to his name. But Pharaoh said, no, I know who I am, and I know the promises that are waiting. He goes on to say, choosing rather. Now listen to this. It would be one thing if he was just saying, look, I don't want to be called your son. That would be one thing. But he goes on to say, choosing rather to suffer affliction 
with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, now see, that, that, that throws something, another twist in there. Because since he decided, I'm not going to be called your son. Every time they looked at him, you know what they saw? The red-headed stepchild. That's what they saw. He ain't supposed to be in here. They hated him even more, church. Why? Because he was like that little prideful somebody. That's, that, that's what it was. He said, I'm, 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 I'm not going to go ahead and be called your son. I'm not going to accept anything. I'm not going to accept a probable position to the kingdom. Because, you know, that was next, right? Pharaoh's daughter, princess. This is the heir. So guess who is going to be the king? Moses denied that and said, I'd rather suffer. But he goes on. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt. For he looked where? He looked to the reward. Repeat this with me. Our vision of faith must be sweeter to us than secular satisfaction. Our vision of faith, our vision of what God has spoken to us must be sweeter to us than secular satisfaction, church. There has got to be something burning inside of you. And so the first thing that the enemy tries to come and do is dominate the environment and hinder you from going on ahead and bringing forth the promise. So the first thing he wants to do, I'm going to try to get you to abort it. But the spirit of abortion doesn't stop there. Because then the spirit of abortion moves on to another place. And the next ploy is distraction through desensitization. So what happens? Well, I couldn't get you to walk away from the purpose. But I am going to now try to manipulate. I went from trying to dominate the atmosphere. You wouldn't let me dominate the atmosphere in your life. So now I'm going to come in with a cunning and a deceitfulness. And I'm going to try to manipulate you. I'm going to try to offer you the world. I'm, I'm going to do to you like I did to Jesus. I'm going to take you up to the pinnacle of the mountain, and I'm going to show you all of my stuff, and I'm going to say, listen, all you got to do, bow to me, and all of that is yours. This is what the enemy wants. Well, I, I couldn't get him to walk away from the purpose, so now I got to entice him to walk away from But church, you and I have got to make sure that we do not settle for the comforts of this world or allow ourselves to be choked up by the cares of this world. It says that Moses would, did, did not want to be called Pharaoh's daughter. He refused those passing pleasures. He said, I, I, you know what, I don't want any of that. I'm going to go on ahead and I'm going to live this thing the way that I'm supposed to live it because I am looking forward to the reward. If you continue to read the text, he says, we'll continue to read here, please look at verse 27. It says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And so he was looking forward in verse 26 to the reward. I want you to understand something. There is a reward for you serving Christ. Amen. 
We're not just serving him emptily, church, but there is a reward. And so we find that Moses goes on ahead, says, I'm not going to do that. And so we, church, we cannot allow the comforts of this world to get a hold of us, nor the cares of this world to choke up the life. See, because if the enemy cannot get you in the place where you are going to be comfortable, he's going to try to hit you in the area of cares. What do you mean, Bishop? The Bible tells us that when the sower went out to sow seed, that the seed fell upon four different ground. Did he not say that? The Bible says that it fell upon that wayside, and it was a ground that didn't go anywhere, and that the birds came and they ate it up. Those are demons and the devil who steal the word of God. The Bible says that it fell upon shallow ground or upon the rocks, and so that word went down into the heart of the person, and it sprung up. But as soon as persecution for the name of Christ comes, what does the Bible say happen? They flee because of that persecution. But the third ground was a ground that was different. Because this one wasn't a shallow ground. This one was a ground that was a little deeper, but there was a problem. And it was that it was filled with weeds. It was filled with these thorns. And so what happened? The Bible says that this tree began to grow. Understand this, church. There are folks that hear the word of God, and you begin to receive the joy of the Lord, and you begin to receive the peace of God. But then suddenly, as you begin walking triumphantly, there is something that comes and tries to choke you. And what was it, church? It was the cares of this world. That is what comes to choke up the word of God. Why is this important? Because you see, you got three voices here that are speaking to you. You got the voice of comfort. And you know what the voice of comfort says? The voice of comfort says the same thing that the rich young ruler said when he came to Jesus I want heaven, I want eternal life. What must I do? And Jesus says, Well, you know the commandments do this, 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 and this. And he's like, that's good. I've done that since I was a boy. Got you, Jesus. Jesus says, oh, I'm sorry. One more thing, just a little thing that you lack. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. And you know what comfort says? Why should I sell everything I earned? Why should I give up my dreams to suffer with Christ? Why? Because I'm comfortable. Because I'm chilling. And it's good right here. So the comforts of this world, they speak to you saying, why suffer for Christ? See, but the cares of this world are different. Because the cares of this world, they don't say why. They say, how can I suffer any more than I already am? How can I suffer? I'm already choked up. I already don't have enough for my rent, glory to God. I already am up to here with bills. My, I can't stand my spouse already. My kids are driving me. This, this is what's up. My kids driving me nuts. Oh, we can flip it around. My parents driving me nuts, glory to God. Can't get into the school I want to get into. Trying to get, and I can't get, hold on a second. So then the question is a different voice. Now this voice comes out and says, how am I going to suffer for you when I'm going through all of this? But you know what? There's that third voice, church. There's that third voice of faith that argues there is greater reward and suffering with Christ than there is in having everything this world has to offer me.
There is greater reward in me walking with the one who died for me than there is in me gaining everything. Because what profit is there if I gain the world yet forfeit my soul? See, the voice of faith begins to argue just like it did with Moses. And something resonated inside of Moses. And he knew, he said, man, I can have all of this stuff here. I can have everything that Pharaoh is offering me. I could be the next king in line potentially. I can have all of this stuff. But I can't forsake the promised church. The third thing that we want to look at, verse 28 says, by faith, we kept the, um, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. So the scripture shows us here, as we look at this story, the spirit of abortion comes in the beginning, that antichrist spirit to dominate, to intimidate, and to get you to abandon the purpose of God. Doesn't work there. So what does he do? He tries to bring a desensitization. And let me just qualify something because I want you to understand, I don't want to just use this word that's kind of big or whatever. Some of y'all might know what it means, but for those of us that don't understand what it means to be sensitized, or to be desensitized, it means to become insensitive. And so how can you judge yourself if you become desensitized? It's, 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 it's really pretty simple. When you first start to sin or you first start to compromise. See, because here's the thing. Most of us don't get desensitized because we directly jump into the swimming pool in the deep end of sin. That's not what happens. All we do is we start. Remember how I said a little while ago, I was talking about myself and I was saying, you know, I might have missed the day of prayer. I might have missed the day of being in the word. So what, what, what happens there? That's a compromise in that day. Did you hear what I just said? That is a com- Because I need to make sure as a Christian, not as a bishop, as a Christian, as a child of God, that I don't miss a day in prayer. I need to ensure that I'm in the presence of the Lord. I need to ensure that I'm in the Word. Amen, somebody? And so what happens is we begin to compromise. Ah, you know, I'll pray tomorrow. You know what? I, 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 I'll catch up on that because, you know, you start the year good. Glory to God. I'm going to read this Bible through in this year and then you miss this day miss that day and then suddenly you miss four or five days not reading the word and what happens church did God leave you no does God is God mad at you he might be disappointed that you're not spending time with him but he's not going to strike you with a lightning bolt hello right (laughs) thank you Jesus amen okay so now what did you do it's not a big deal. I didn't pray for a week. I didn't study the word for a week. Okay. Flip side. I'm praying, reading, whatever. So I get a little bit insensitive. See, at first, I feel bad about not praying. I feel bad about not being in the word. And suddenly, you know what happens? It becomes the norm. When it becomes the norm, you need to repent. Did you hear what I just said? When not praying and not reading the word becomes the norm in your life, you need to repent. You need to come to God and say, forgive me for not making you first in my life. Hear me, church. 
You need to, because if you don't, what happens is you're becoming desensitized slowly, but surely no longer is that voice of the, that still small voice becomes lower and lower and lower until what? Until I'm not doing it at all. And then, you know, we would, then we move on to other stuff. We don't, we don't necessarily, you know, go to the club because we know going to the club is wrong. But as we are channel surfing, we like the beat. Oh, that's a nice beat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I, I would, I, let me tell you something. I, I, I was at, I was, I'm not going to say whose house I was at because there wasn't nobody in here, glory to God. But I just want to embarrass them in case they were walking this place. But I was in someone's house the other day, and they were watching like Telemundo or something like that. Let me tell you something. I know not to be looking at the TV on the Spanish television because they do not know how to dress. They do not know how to act. And, and, and look, I could just see from the corner of my eye, they had some reggaeton, and I was like, mm -mm, mm -mm. I was like looking down. I was praying, Father God, I, you know, I'm, I'm not even trying. I'm trying to witness. I'm trying to minister here, glory to God. And, 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 and they're just chilling. It's like nothing. It's just like just there. What is that, church? Desensitization. Because of what? Because you like the beat. I'm not listening to the words, nor am I looking at the half-naked women. I just like the beat. I'm like all up in it like this. That, that's how, not me, but that's how, yeah, yeah. I'm, I just like the beat. I'm not looking at nothing. No, I'm, whatever. Listen. You just, you know, you're listening to it. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself, before you know it, you enter into an atmosphere that you shouldn't be in. And this is how you can tell if you're desensitized or not. Does anything that they're doing offend you? Does anything that they're doing grieve your heart? Not because you're holier than thou, but because you have been walking with a God. You know why it grieves you? Can I tell you why sin should grieve you? Because sin pierced Jesus. And when you are exposed to sin, it should be piercing to your heart. It should be piercing to your soul. You don't have to be sitting there, you know, and acting all. No, I'm not talking about that. But there should be something going on. The only reason, and I believe that Mark Cahill said it, that we should be in atmospheres like that is if we're going to witness to the lost. Hello? But you know what? We get desensitized. Because of what? Because just a little bit of compromise, it wasn't a big sin. So we don't feel that bad about it. But it's those little sins. And before you know it, you are like, you know, way up over your head, don't know how to get out of it, not praying, not in the word. Life is in shambles, turning upside down, going crazy, and you wonder why that stuff is happening. It all started when you decided to take your little toe and go like this. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and do that. Hello? That's how it happens. And so you become desensitized to what? You become desensitized to sin. And so the third thing that I want you to repeat with me is this. Say, our vision of faith must provoke us to choose God no matter the circumstances. You see, if we're not willing to abandon God's purpose, if we're not willing to compromise and become, you know, um, desensitized, the enemy will come and try to attack us through fear and intimidation through what? Surrounding circumstances. Surrounding situations. Oh, we hear the reports all day long. The economy, the economy, the economy. Church, I've said this from the beginning. I don't think that we should be fearful. Can I get an Amen. I, I don't think that we should be fearful. I think that we should have faith in God that God is going to see us through because our economy, hello, doesn't supply for us. And if, see, this is where we fear. 
If I am living according to my needs, there's, no, there's nothing for me to fear. Why? Because I got a promise in the word of God. It says clearly that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. The word want doesn't mean that you're going to have everything you want. The translation is, I shall not have any need. So if I am living within my needs and I am walking in obedience to the principles of God, see, because that's the other thing. So you got two issues here. Am I living within my needs? And am I walking in obedience to the word of God, what he requires of us, which is in our tithes and our offering? If I'm doing those things, then you know what that means? That means that fear should not grip my heart because I'm doing what? First John, I am being made perfected in his love, church. And I understand that I am walking according to his principles. And so we need, so what, is, what, what, what does the enemy want to do? Well, first of all, let's look at this thing here in verse 28. It says, by faith he kept or he established the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And so the first thing that we see that Moses does right before they're leaving Egypt is there is this last plague that is coming. And God speaks to Moses and he says, listen, you guys need to kill this lamb. You guys are going to enter into your house. You're going to dip this, you know, this thing in the, I remember what it was, but you're going to dip this thing in the blood and you're going to mark your doorpost. And when the angel of death comes by, guess what? He's going to pass over your house. He's not going to bring any death to the firstborn. But every firstborn of the Egyptians and every house under which the blood is not covering, hello, the firstborn is going to die. So we have here is a wonderful situation. Because guess what? It's easy. God said, if you do this, guess what I'm going to do? Pass over you. Okay, so we have that. Economy going crazy. Well, God, you promised that if I would walk according to your principles, you were going to do what? Pass over me. Hello. Glory to God. Someone should get excited. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. But then, but then, but then. They get released from Egypt. And the Bible says that as they're going through Egypt, and I'm getting ready to close, church. As they are going through or leaving Egypt and they're going through the wilderness, the Bible says that they came up to a, to a place where the Egyptians were running after them. And they come to this Red Sea. They come to this, see, they don't have a word about the Red Sea. Hello. That's why, that's why it is important, church, that you follow the direction of God. Because when you're walking with him, even though you don't have a specific word, you have a general revelation. What did Moses do when they faced that Red Sea? Moses prayed to God, and God said, listen, stretch out your staff. That's what he did. Stretch out your staff. Don't, don't, don't be crying and whining. I got you. This is what he's saying. I got you in this. Stretch out your staff. I'm going to show my glory once again. Now, here's the beauty of this, because this is what makes this story so remarkable, is that they could have went through the land of Philistia when they left Egypt, but the Bible says that God led them in the way they were supposed to go because he knew that if the people faced war, they would fear. 
What does that mean to us? That means that God knows what you can handle and what you can't. And when you follow his direction, he's not going to have you facing an overwhelming situation when you're not ready for it. So whatever you're facing, you may feel like you ain't ready for it, but baby, I'm here to tell you, if he got you there, you're ready for it. It is up to you to do like Moses did and say, you know what, Lord? You brought those 10 plagues upon Egypt. You went ahead and you did all of these things. And now we are standing. Our enemy is pursuing us and we see him coming and we know that he is going to devour us and kill us. But you brought us out here, God. You brought us to this place. And so now we are crying out to you. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to give you the specific wisdom, the specific direction that you need. It is up to you to obey. Listen, church, we need to stop quoting scriptures and start believing them. Listen, I'm trying to be hardcore here. But if you're going to quote that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, I want you to understand that the angel of the Lord that was leading the children of Israel, that was Jesus. Hello. Y'all ain't saying nothing. That was Jesus. So the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, the same deliverer that was with them, is the same deliverer, de deliverer that is with you. The same one who was there to bring them through is the same one who is there to bring you through. But listen, we have got to ask ourselves the question, how is our vision of faith affecting our choices? Because we're talking about choices here. All of this story shows us choices. Choices that were filled with faith. That's what we see. And so the question for you is that, are you walking, making daily choices, creating daily habits that are filled with faith, or are you trying to do it on your own strength? You're depending on your own wisdom. You're depending on your own know-how. You're looking at things from a carnal perspective, or you're looking at things from a faith perspective. And I know that, you know, we got, uh, you know, certain, you know, certain beliefs or whatever the case is. But listen to me. Looking at things from a faith perspective is looking at it through the eyes of God's word. This is what God has given us, church. He's given it to us for a reason. And so how are your choices? How do they look? Are they faith-filled or are they faith-void? How are they? Because God wants you to be assured and to trust him that he is going to walk you through whatever it is that you're facing. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to walk away from you. He's, he, he's not going to bring you out. The children, of, the children of Israel, they continuously said it. Man, you brought us out to this, 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 this desert to die. He didn't bring them out there to die, church. That isn't what he brought them. And I know that sometimes he, it feels that way. But you know what? There was a portion to their statement that was true because he did bring them out there to die to themselves. He did bring them out there to die to their Egyptian mindset. He did bring them out there to deliver them. Why does God bring us to these places? It isn't because he wants to shame us, church. It isn't because he wants to make us look bad. That isn't why he allows us to come into these places and walks us to these places. That isn't it. He brings us there because he wants us to depend on him and him alone. You see, it is in these places when we find ourselves facing these type of moments, that our faith is really tested. Because you know what? No longer is it a theory, I depend on the mercy of God. It is reality. I depend on the mercy of God. 
You see, it's one thing to have $10,000 in the bank and, you know, a steady job that ain't ever going to leave you for you to be like, oh, yeah, I got faith in the midst of this economic struggle. Oh, yeah, that's easy, glory to God. It's a whole different scenario when they start doing job cuts, glory to his name. It's a whole different scenario when you start seeing people that you know with a box walking out the door. Hello. Different scenario, church. Different scenario, but the same God. Different situation, but the same deliverer. He doesn't bring you to these moments to do anything but to reaffirm his love and his faithfulness. The question is, are we going to let our choices lead us to see that faithfulness? Or are we going to go ahead and do like the children of Israel did and turn away from him and turn away from him and turn away from him when all he wants to do is lead us into the fullness of his promises? Amen? Come on and stand to your feet and bow your heads, please.